Welcome to Bible Story Time with Mimi. Tonight I am here with Benjamin and and we are continuing to read The Evergreen Wood, an adaptation of The Pilgrim's Progress for Children by Alan and Linda Perry, published by Nelson Thomas Nelson Publishers. We're on chapter 5 tonight. Rat Fair. At last the pathway left the evils of the Black Valley behind and led out onto common land. A colony of black rats lived in the land, and they had set up a fair there with the intention of making a good living from the travelers passing by. The mice looked around the stalls, hoping to find something useful for their journey, but they were sadly disappointed, shocked even, when they discovered just what the rats had for sale. There were badges which read, I've been to the evergreen wood. Buy a badge, grinned the stall holder. Then you won't have to bother with the journey. Cheap imitations of the books and keys given to Christopher and Woodley by the white lamb were for sale at exorbitantly high prices. Whisker curlers, tail bows, and claw polish of various colors were piled up on another stall. There were charms which were supposed to give protection from danger and cure-all potions made from, quote, secret remedies. You won't get in the evergreen wood without a key, dearie, said the book and key stall holder. I have a key, thank you, said Christopher, a real one. And, he added, I didn't have to buy it either. It was given to me for free by the white lamb. The rat scowled. Don't you be clever with me, he said. Oh, look, Christopher, exclaimed Woodley. Here are some maps for sale. I wonder whether they have one of the evergreen wood. The evergreen wood? mocked the stall holder. Whatever do you want to go there for? Look here. Now here are some places really worth going to. And he showed the mice some of his maps. There by the poison ivy wood. Good food there, he said. Or how about Eagle's Cove? It's pretty there. Or there's the Black Valley. Nice quiet place that. Christopher and Woodley looked at each other in horror. I know, said the rat, producing a dusty map from the bottom of the pile and brushing it off with his shirt sleeve. The dark wood. Nice place. Full of potential. The mice slipped away, intending to cross the land as quickly as possible, but were detained when they came upon a poor little gray mouse whose feet were stuck fast in stocks. Do you know what stocks are? Yes. They were like in prison. Like, like handcuffs. Why, Gray Mouse, who did this to you? Asked Woodley. But Gray Mouse had wept so much and had such a large lump in his throat that he could not answer. Woodley tried to lift the stocks to set the creature free, but they were locked. 
Don't worry, Gray Mouse. I'll get you out of there, he promised. Gray Mouse could only squeak sadly. Woodley strove off to have words with the chief rat. Why is Gray Mouse in the stocks, he demanded. What harm has he done? We don't like his type, sniffed the chief. Thinks he's better than us. Accused us of cheating, little upstart. Well, you are cheats, every one of you, retorted Woodley. There is not one thing here worth buying. Everything you have for sale is useless. Woodley caused such a disturbance that all the stall holders gathered round to see what was going on. The chief rat was shouting abuse at Woodley. Who do you think you are, he yelled. Aren't we good enough for you? The stall holders joined in with a chorus of complaints. Never bought a thing, they jeered, wasting our valuable time. Turn their noses up at our good products, they continued. They need a lesson or two. Yeah, show them what happens to goody goodies. Whereupon Christopher and Woodley were arrested for disturbing the peace and were promptly locked in the stocks. The little gray mouse, who was released to make room for the wood mice, scampered off home as fast as he could. Christopher and Woodley had to bear the taunts and rebukes of the traders all afternoon. Some of them threw rotten crab apples and stale eggs, bruising the mice and spoiling their clothes. Toward evening, when the stall holders were busy packing away their wares, the chief rat unlocked the stocks and marched the mice across the land toward the hedgerow. He pushed them down into a vast rat hole underneath a blackthorn bush, and he pulled them through a long, dark burrow until at last they stood in an open space, dimly lit and smelling strongly of ale. Looking around, they saw they were in a sort of underground tavern. Several tables were littered about, and a number of black rats sat at them drinking beer. There was a sudden hush when the mice were brought in. The bartender, a large rat wearing a brown apron, was leaning on the mantelpiece over a coal fire, warming his drink. Well, well, what have we here, he said. These mice were disturbing the peace at Rat Fair, said the chief rat. What were you doing at the fair, asked a skinny rat in the corner. He had his feet propped up on one of the benches and a keg of beer at his side. We, 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 we thought we might buy something, stammered Christopher. But, but, but there is nothing worth buying, claimed Woodley. This caused a great stir. Some of the rats stood on tables shouting. The fat rat in the apron banged his fist on the mantelpiece, spilling some of his spiced ale. Quiet, he shouted. The prisoners are obviously guilty. Pass the sentence, chief. The chief rat walked over to the fireplace and conferred with the bartender. He took up a white powdered wig, which stood on the end of the mantelpiece, and he placed it on his head. He cleared his throat, and he pointed at Woodley, saying, I sentence you to six months of hard labor, 
here in the rat hole. The bartender will explain your duties. And the bartender, who had been busy writing out a long list, read out, 6 a.m., light the fire. 7 a.m., cook breakfast. 8 a.m., sweep the floors. 9 a.m., scrub tables. 10 a.m., wash beer mugs. And so the list went on. The other prisoner may be released, said the chief rat. Christopher clung to Woodley in despair. It's all right, Christopher. Time will pass, said Woodley. What are six months out of eternity? And then Christopher was pushed out of the rat hole, alone in the still night air. A barn owl, ghostly white in the moonlight, flew silently overhead inspecting every blade of grass. Christopher shivered. I must get out of here and find the path again, he thought as he crept quietly along the hedgerow. Only when he came within sight of the pathway did he feel safe enough to stop and rest for the night. He found a bed of wild strawberries and he fell asleep beneath the dark, crinkly leaves. Chapter 6, Fox Territory Sunlight flickered through the strawberry leaves, rousing Christopher from his troubled dreams. He sat up and he rubbed his eyes and was on the point of selecting a bright red juicy berry when he was disturbed by a rustle in the undergrowth. He was just wondering whether somebody else had plans to breakfast in the strawberry bed when a young black rat came hurrying through the hedgerow. He stopped when he saw Christopher. Good morning, sir. I'm Heathley, he said. Good morning, Heathley, said Christopher. Would you like a strawberry? No, no, thank you, said the rat. I'm not hungry. I'm going away, you know. Christopher looked surprised. I'm, I'm leaving this place, leaving it in all its worthless ways forever. The rat's voice was tight with emotion. There are many more here, you know, who would like to get away, and they will one day when they are ready. Please, sir, he begged, may I accompany you on your journey to the evergreen wood? Christopher, of course, was delighted, and the two creatures went on together. Before long, they found themselves in a peaceful glade full of lilies. The stream of living waters flowed through the glade, and along its banks grew green trees that bore every type of fruit that was good to eat. Christopher and Heathley stayed in the glade for several days, just eating and sleeping. They sang, in green meadows let us lie with still waters flowing by from fruitful trees let us eat before we lie again to sleep and when they had finished resting they filled their pockets with apples and hazelnuts and they followed the path out of the glade but the sweetness of that place was soon forgotten, for the way ahead became hard and difficult. Rough stones littered the path, making their feet sore and their hearts heavy. 
Presently, however, they came to some steps, and beyond them they could see a pleasant meadow with a grassy path winding through it. Heathley, cried Christopher, let us go over the steps and follow the path through the meadow. But but suppose it leads us out of the way, said Heathley in a worried voice. That's not likely, said Christopher, for it's just the other side of the hedge, and I believe it will soon meet up again with our own pathway. So Heathley was persuaded and followed Christopher over the steps. A little later they came upon another traveler wandering along the soft grassy pathway. His name was Father Frog, and Christopher asked him if he knew where the path led. To the evergreen wood, replied the frog. There, Heathley, I told you so, said Christopher. They followed Falter and, oh, I'm sorry, I think I said the wrong name. He's not Father Frog, he's Falter Frog. They followed Falter until nightfall. Then it began to rain. Christopher looked up at the sky. Black clouds swirled overhead. A storm is brewing, he said, pulling his coat collar up around his chin. We must find some shelter. There was a great clap of thunder, and then the rain poured down in torrents. The ditch that ran alongside the path was filled to overflowing with muddy rainwater and was threatening to spill over and flood the pathway at any moment. Suddenly, there was a splash, and Falter Frog disappeared. Falter, are you all right? called Christopher. There was an answering, and that was the last they ever heard of Falter. It's all very well for him, complained Christopher. He can spend the night in the ditch, but we can't. I wonder where we are, said Heathley, as a flash of lightning hit up the flooded meadow. Christopher began to feel uneasy. Oh, dear, he groaned. I think we might be lost. I thought we went the wrong way, sighed Heathley, as the ditch water finally burst its banks and lapped around his knees. We must get back to the steps, cried Christopher urgently. But the flood water was getting deeper and deeper, and they were in danger of being washed away. Christopher felt the water swirl around his legs and drag at his body. He stumbled, and as he did, he reached out and he caught a hold of some ivy leaves that were floating down from an old willow stump. Heathley had managed to do the same, and together they climbed the ivy and they pulled themselves up onto the flat top of the old willow. They lay down, exhausted, beneath the canopy of glossy green ivy leaves, and they fell fast asleep. Not far from where they slept, slept a fox's lair lay hidden in the shrub of a juniper wood. The fox had been out all night inspecting his land, and on his way home in the morning, he saw Christopher and Heathley asleep on the tree stump. Wake up, he barked. What are you doing on my land? Christopher and Heathley awoke with a start. We we lost our way, squeaked Christopher. 
You are trespassers, growled the fox, and trespassers must be prosecuted. Whereupon he caught hold of Christopher and Heathley by the backs of their necks, and he carried them off to his lair. He pushed them inside of his dingy, dark earth, and then lay down by the entrance, and he went to sleep. Oh, dear, cried Christopher, whatever shall we do? Come, my friend, said Heathley, I have some ivy berries and one or two hazelnuts in my pocket. We will feel better if we eat something. I couldn't eat a thing, <laughs> wept Christopher. It's all my fault trying to find an easier way. Now we're doomed. We must think of a plan, said Heathley, ignoring his friend's outburst. Maybe we could creep fat past the fox while he sleeps. Together they tiptoed nearer and nearer the entrance. And then, suddenly, the fox opened his huge jaws and he yawned. At the sight of so many long, sharp teeth, some of them stained with blood, the little friends ran back and they hid in the darkest corner of the burrow. Oh, cried Christopher, we shall never get out of here. Oh, please, Christopher, don't give up, begged Heathley. Remember how you escaped from the tawny owl and the wildcat? Well, we can escape from this dark dungeon if only we try. The rat sat down and thought, and as he thought, he began to paw at the soft earth of the fox's burrow. Suddenly, he jumped up, squealing. What is it? cried Christopher. See how soft this earth is? exclaimed Heathley, beginning to dig furiously in the side of the burrow. We'll dig our way out. Christopher ran to help him, scraping and scratching all the earth with all his might. Dig upward, ordered Heathley, scooping out the soil with his powerful back legs. Before long, a chink of light appeared at the end of the tunnel. Then the sunlight flooded in upon them, and they stood free at last in the sweet green juniper wood. Chapter 7 Chapter 7 The Evergreen Wood Christopher and Heathley did not stop running until they reached the safety of the pathway on the other side of the steps. I shall leave a notice on the steps, said Christopher, to prevent others from following that way. He wrote, O'er these steps the way looks fair, but, dear travelers, please take care, for evil and dark despair lurk within a fox's lair. Many creatures did read the notice and so escaped that terrible danger. The path led the mice into an ancient cedar grove. The great trees spread their massive limbs out over the grove as if in tender sympathy with the creatures that walked beneath them. A flock of turtle doves had made its way home among the thick green foliage. One of them flew down and spoke to Christopher and Heathley. Good day, she cooed. Welcome to the cedar grove. 
Good day, replied Heathley. I wonder whether you could tell us how far it is to the evergreen wood. Too far for any but those that shall reach it, answered the turtle dove. Is the way safe or dangerous? inquired Heathley. Safe for those for whom it is to be safe, replied the dove. She flew up into a wide, drooping branch. If you would like to climb up here, she called, you may see the very gates of that wood. Christopher and Heathley scrambled up the broad bough, and they peered into the distance. Christopher's eyes grew wide. Can you see them? he asked the rat. I, I think I can, said Heathley, peering through the trees. Before they left the cedar grove, the turtle dove presented them with directions of the way. Beware of false friends, she warned, and take care that do you do not sleep upon the enchanted ground. And then she flew away, and Heathley tucked the map inside his coat pocket. And so, much encouraged, the two creatures set off, hoping that it would not be long before they reached the gateway that would lead them into the evergreen wood. Soon after, a little crooked lane met, met the pathway, and wandering along it, looking this way and that, came Shady the Water Shrew. Christopher asked him where he came from. Do you have a question, Avery? Uh-huh. Um, what's that animal you just said? A water shrew. What's that? We'll have to look that up after we finish reading this chapter, okay? Okay. Okay. The water shrew said, I live in the marsh at the bottom of the little crooked lane, but I'm on my way to the evergreen wood. How are you going to get in without a key? asked Christopher. Shady thought for a moment. Oh, I expect I shall find a way, he said carelessly. He broke off every now and then to take a dip in the ditch that was by the wayside, so Christopher and Heathley soon overtook him. Presently, the path divided, and as they paused to consider which way to go, a gray rabbit came hopping toward them. Follow me, he called over his shoulder. This is the way. They followed the gray rabbit for some time. Then suddenly the ground beneath their feet gave way, and they found themselves falling. Down and down they fell, until at last they came to the bottom of an enormous rabbit hole. Ow! squeaked Christopher as he hit the earth with a thump. What are we going to do now? Oh, Heathley wailed as he came tumbling down beside him. We should have paid more attention to the turtle dove. She warned us to beware of false friends. And we forgot to read the map she gave us, groaned Christopher. They lay there sad and lonely at the bottom of the hole, for some time. Eventually, the sound of tiny feet could be heard far above them. Somebody called, Christopher Heathley, and a pale, anxious face peered down. It's the white mouse, cried Christopher, jumping up and down in excitement. Oh, white mouse, he shouted. How pleased I am to see you. The white mouse, in anticipation of such a problem, had brought with him a long rope. He wrapped one end of this around a tall ash tree 
The other Andy lowered over the edge of the deep hole. Catch a hold of the rope, he called, and pull yourselves up. When they were once again standing on firm ground, Christopher hugged the white mouse. Thank you for rescuing us, he cried. And we're sorry, sighed Heathley, for causing you so much trouble. You would cause me a lot less trouble, said the white mouse sternly, if you would only follow your instructions. Now let me guide you back to the pathway. The sorry pair trudged behind with their heads bowed to the ground. When they reached the pathway, the sun had already gone down and the stars were shining brightly in the sky. The white mouse made a bed of dry leaves under the roots of a wide beech tree. We'll rest here for the night, he said. Heathley gathered some of the beech nuts that lay all about, and they sat cracking the shells in the moonlight and nibbling on the little seeds inside. Christopher and Heathley awoke the next morning to find that the white mouse had already gone. They continued their journey uneventfully for much of the day. Then the path led them into a wooded valley. Heathley sniffed the air. It was heavy with the sweet scent of honeysuckle and bluebells. The sun flickered warmly on their heads, and flying insects hummed and droned lazily about them. The rat yawned. Oh, let us lie down and take a nap, he said wearily. I could hardly keep my eyes open. Oh, no, said Christopher urgently. If we fall asleep here, we may never wake up again, for we are walking upon the enchanted ground. Oh, dear, cried Heathley. If I had been here alone, I would have been in great danger. Well, two are better than one, said Christopher, and he sang a song to keep them awake. Be alert, stay wide awake, keep on going, don't hesitate. On On this ground enchantments lie, slumbering valleys heave and sigh, calling creatures to the deep, unfathomed depths of silent sleep. Having safely passed over the enchanted ground, they rested for a while beside a lily pond. Here they met the little water shrew again, basking in the sunny waters. The three went on together until they came within sight of the gateway. Christopher and Heathley gazed in wonder, but as they drew nearer, they saw to their dismay that a very deep and wide river lay between them and the gateway. They looked for a bridge to go over, but there was none. We shall have to swim across, said Heathley, discarding his shoes on the riverbank. Do you think we shall make it? asked Christopher in a very squeaky voice. If we do not panic, said the rat, we should manage quite easily. Christopher entered the water with some trepidation. He and Heathley swam side by side. All went well at first. But toward midstream, the current became stronger, and Christopher Mouse grew anxious. Oh, Heathley, he cried out, I shall be swept away. Keep going, Christopher, or we've almost reached the other side, encouraged Heathley. But Christopher was in despair. I don't think I can make it, he spluttered as a wave splashed over his ear. You can make it, you can, insisted Heathley. And he stretched out his paw 
and he held his friend's head above the water until they reached the bank on the other side. Meanwhile, Shady had been nosing about in the water reeds and had discovered an old flat-bottomed boat. Shady loved boats. He leapt into it, pulled it free of the reeds, and glided off down the river. Christopher and Heathley saw him go. Shady seemed to have forgotten all about them and the evergreen wood. Christopher took the key out of his inside coat pocket and he turned the lock. The gates swung open. Bright sunlight beamed down upon them and glowed through the tall green trees. The stream of living waters sparkled wide and fresh through the wood and golden flowers grew along its banks. Christopher breathed in the clean, sweet air and he felt the peace and security all around him. A great company of animals stood waiting to greet them. They cried, Welcome to the Evergreen Wood! And, Well done, you faithful creatures! Come and share our happiness! They crowded around the heroes, each wanting to greet them with a brotherly kiss. Their own white mouse was there, too. Come! We've prepared a feast for you, he said. I have some good news, too, he added. Woodley has been released, and he's on his way. Hooray, shouted Christopher and Heathley. And, said the white mouse, the night will be arriving soon with Christina and the children. <gasps> My happiness, said Christopher, is almost complete. The end. Thank you for reading with us tonight. Say good night, Benjamin. Good night. Avery? Good night. Good I hope you had a fun time listening to this. And we have a lot of Bible stories to read. See you next time.